Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so I hope we're all well. Welcome to a new era of WGTA as we head into uncharted territory. Yes, it's pod 201 of this institution and we plunge headlong into it with a new voice via a new co-host until the end of the season, until we get another new co-host and new impetus. Same old me though, sorry about that. Anyway, following Anthony's departure last week, I'm pleased to be joined by my temporary co-host who's taken time out from his burgeoning nascent YouTube career to join me until the end of the season after impressing him what was an unknown to him trial earlier on in the year, enough to earn him a temporary contract that works for both parties. A bit like Josh King when he joined Everton last season. Maybe he'll be a bit more more impactful than that, (laughs) but welcome uh, FPL Harry to the pod. Thank you very much. Yeah, I came on as a guest in December and then, yeah, you kindly asked me and I, I thought, oh, it's a long way off. And then the time that it came rattled by and we are we are finally here. Your 200th yep. pod, your 201st feels like a good landmark pod to start something new, of course, only here for the short term. But hopefully the, the curse of the podcast doesn't topple me too much between now and the season, although it seems to already have started in full flow. So we are, of course, who got the assist. You can find Tom at GTA underscore FPL and me, I am, of course, FPL underscore Harry. This week on the pod, double game weeks and FPL game week reviews and how I'm doing so far this season. Midweek mini league updates, midweek market forces, then the main topic, how do we fall into the double game weeks traps every time or how do we try and avoid them before finishing off with listeners' questions? Just to mention that it's going to be an unusual kind of mid-game week pod this time round. I mean, normally I know that Thursday night I try to do it kind of as the game weekends or near two. I don't think it's going to quite work for the next couple of weeks. So we're going to have to do a, a few kind of mid-game week ones as we kind of go further by. So it'll be kind of midweek. Obviously, this is a Monday night just after the Spurs. Well, the Spurs game is just kind of finishing. It's 5-0 at the moment. Don't think we'll see much else from that, but obviously, you know, something might happen. Right, let's get into the game reviews. But first, let's welcome Harry properly. Uh, would you mind just kind of, you know, 
telling us a bit about yourself for people who may have missed the pod when we said you know that you'll be joining for a little bit tell us how you're doing this season and just remind us about your approach to FPL in general of course yeah so one of the younger members of the FPL community although I think over the past couple of years a lot of youngsters have have sprouted up so um, I've been in the FPL community on Twitter for about three or four years I'm a big Chelsea fan I live in London so I go and watch Chelsea most weekends whenever they're at home which has been pretty lovely over the past two years two seasons before that it was slightly more painful but still pretty enjoyable as well how I've been doing this season it's been going very well I was about 10k going into this game week and we'll do game week review but I'm about 20k now sat at this mid-stage of the game week I tend to be a pretty cautious manager, which is why maybe I haven't done quite as well this week. I didn't go charging into some of those double game week premium assets that I think a lot of people have had very favorable favorable outcomes with so far this week. Um, so I tend to err on the side of caution, as boring as it sounds, tend to err on the side of EO and hopefully reduce the number of big hit disaster weeks like I've had this week to a minimum. But I decided to go a bit off template this week and it hasn't quite paid off. Yeah, so let's uh, see how it's gone before uh, before you said, do you have to look at my team? And I was just like, yeah, the curse is going to get you and it's gotten you, Harry, it sounds like, already to begin with. Uh, obviously, we are kind of midway through the game week, but it's not been the best one, has it, so far? It's not been the best one and it's probably only going to get worse as well. Um, so I'm on 45 points, which is without a hit, which is a 100% rank drop for anyone using live FPL. I have no James. I have no Rudiger. I have no Coutinho. I have no Son, no Kane, no Spurs of any sort, no Havertz, anything like that. (laughs) Points from this week, I had Trent with his 12, like every other person. I had Watkins with his five, which was very welcome. Although when Coutinho went and started scoring and took all his bonus and then he got and then he got booked late on, didn't quite seem as positive as I thought it would be. And then Saka with his 12, which really did help me out. I think the state of my game week, if I didn't have Saka's 12 in my team, would be, I don't even want to imagine what it would look like. Odegaard sat first on my bench. So hoping that Dean is a no-show later in the week, although I'm not very optimistic about that. And Rafinha captaincy. I don't know what I was thinking. Spent most of the season Mm. telling people that Rafinha is so overhyped and that he's not a good asset. And then I brought him in this week and captained him because there was no one else in my team I wanted to captain, so. Yeah, life of a podcaster, I'm afraid. Yeah. Because it's the very beginning of it where you kind of say, you know what, I think this player is absolutely rubbish. I don't use the word rubbish normally, uh, but I do on the podcast. And then there I am two weeks later just being like, I knew he wasn't very good, or I knew I'd always been a bit suspicious of him, but I brought him in nonetheless, captained him, you know, taught taught myself the entire narrative about why the guy's good, why he's worth buying, and then ultimately it doesn't quite happen. Well, but it's double game week, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the main topic, but yeah, a bit of a rough week for you. Nonetheless, I mean, I'm several hundred about 100,000 or so ranks behind you, but uh, but it's slightly better for me. I think I'm on the 74 minus eight at the moment, so 66 net. And I'm going to skip the objectives from now on, now Anthony's departed, but I did captain, I think, second on Mikel, which is really good. I didn't do James, which was first. Um, I didn't. I just wasn't sure about him playing um, one of these two games, or he may have missed all three. I'm not entirely sure yet. Um but basically, I just kind of felt like it was worth captioning um, a Chelsea player. We'll talk about that later on. But I, I feel like I really wanted to get one in in the end. I was on the FPL show last week. Uh, they they scraped the bottom of the barrel and invited me on. And on that, I said, 
I'm not going to be buying a Chelsea defender, but I just fell prey to FOMO, which we'll discuss in a bit. Um, and it was Rudiger who came in. Um, I did remove Cancelo, and I was literally so, so pleased when Jaden Sancho scored and Cancelo didn't score that really nice scissor kick, actually, he tried late on. Um, so I bought myself hope. I bought myself four points, and, and that was probably all right. I took that minus eight, so that kind of last minute move was James was Cancelo uh, to Rudiger which was James but Cancelo to Rudiger I was to Edouard to Breuer now Breuer's done nothing um, and uh, Buendia to Fraser uh, the latter of which really paid off so 13 points for the goal and assist from him um, elsewhere um, the likes of Trent which everyone had uh, the Robertson clean sheet was quite nice I had Saka as well and Kane tonight uh, with, with a brace which has been very very nice so yeah uh, it's up to 74 uh, gross 66 net um, with I think it's one two three four five six more players to go um, which is quite good maybe I could get the 100 club this week again right uh, min league update very very quickly uh, so obviously the game week is in motion but top still is Hakon Mangersnes XL11 at 75 points this week he also captain Rafinha Harry uh, he wildcarded into that as well advised Reese James so he must be very, very upset about that Ooh. one. Yes, tough, isn't it? Um, in second, up from Sif, it's Troy Hope, 2004 points he's on, so five behind Hakon, 94 points on his bench boost, Captain James. In third, Sam McAfee, uh, so he's up from ninth to third. He also caps Rafinha, he's on his bench boost, 87 points for him. Again, another vice, James. In fourth, down from third, it's James S, Larry of Brest, 75 points this week on his wildcard. In fourth, and a colossal performance by Jokin. Lengroff, uh, Aristerna, 105 points on his wild card with James Captain. That's really quite some doing there. Uh, that means that uh, Brett Taylor goes down from fourth to sixth. I love Lamptey, uh, 74 points for him on his bench boost. Really good captain. Uh, in seventh, up from eighth, uh, Tori Van Petersen, who's been in the round the top 10 for quite a while, actually. 70 points this week. Again, James captain. In eighth, down from fifth, it's Chris Turner, the brothers Grimsby. 68 points only on his wild card. Went with the Salah, single game week captaincy and got a little bit unlucky there, unfortunately. Harry Solomons with that fantastic team name. Kadira pin drop ninth now uh, down from seventh Jimenez captain ouch 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 oh Harry uh, 71 points though for him and in tenth down from second his second last week uh, Caleb St Arthur uh, credit to the boys 58 points only for Caleb with really good captain uh, but all obviously all going on very very well there's a few hundreds I can see on the first page and I mean that's pretty crazy isn't it with just uh, uh, well over half the game week gone, but I'm suspecting with a lot, with a lot of the individuals in the min league or wild card or with bench boots with loads of players to play as well. So it could be an epic, epic week for a few people involved here. Wowie. Right. And then uh, finally, in this uh, introductory section, the market forces, I think there's obviously going to be a lot going on, but Reese James, Harry, I mean, talk to me about him in general from a Chelsea point of view. I mean, neither of us has brought him in. Do we have cause for a lot of hindsight, bias, fueled regret? I think when people brought him in, I can't see them have expected 18 points from the first game. I, I, my worry was the minutes that he was going to get in this game. He's, he's a great asset. And I think if people don't have, didn't have their wild card still to play, bringing in James was a good option because they were going to you know, want him for the rest of the season. Short term, I did have that slight caveat that I thought it was a bit of a risk in minutes. I'm interested that people are bringing him in. He's t- top this week. I mean, maybe I shouldn't expect it because there's a lot that maybe just goes off recency bias and look people looking at points that have been scored recently. But 
He has a single game week this week, and there are players that we will talk about that you could target with a double game week, and that doesn't play in game week 30 as well. So there are players with three games over the next two game weeks, whereas James only has one. Of course, Saka falling second on the most transferred in is one of those players, and I can see why he's up there. But I'm just interested that I think James is, yes, he's a great pick between now and the end of the season, but is this the week to be bringing him in? I'm not, not, whole, not completely sold on that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you watched him, for oh, he did say he had a little knock, but he'd be okay. I suspect he's going to play yeah. Nor- Norwich and we're all going to be hiding behind the sofa. Um, but I think that I can see how people are kind of thinking, you know what, I'm just going to do it, get it done, get it over with. There's probably an instinct yeah. to do that. But you're right, there's probably something, we always see every week, some recency bias, people just kind of saying, yeah. you know what, Um this guy has done a lot of points, so I'm going to buy him. Uh, I think uh, I mean, Coutinho's in third. He probably does fit the Saka mould of having um, a game yeah. and then a game in 30. But Ivan Tony is probably an example of he's done a lot of points, so I'm going to buy him in. 47,000 transfers in for him. He's in fourth. And Mo Salah in fifth. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, to be honest, 45,000 transfers in. I hugely suspect that after tonight, um, he's down at the moment in... Uh, eighth uh, in terms of transfers in 34,000 Kulosevsky at 6.1 I highly suspect he'll be on a lot of people's radars to bring in that's because Jared Bowen went off injured Um, West Ham have subsequently said that he's not got anything kind of you know long lasting but the athletics said he'll be out for quote-unquote a handful of games but you uh google what handfuls definition was didn't you earlier on yeah a handful is one of those things when people say several a handful what does that really mean because i think a lot of us have held bowen including myself wanting him to play game week 30 um and a handful of games effectively is meant to be in five obviously because the amount of fingers you have on a hand um is where it comes from but <laughs> is for it's his fourth game from now, I believe, that that game where we want him in game week 30. So there is a chance that he misses it. I'm definitely looking at that Kulisevsky move in for Bowen for a, for a hit this week. And we'll talk about our potential transfers coming up. But I, there is a big risk and I can just see it getting to this time next week. And, you know, we get to a press conference and Bowen is touch and go. And I'm left in a situation where I'm either playing a man down because we've got benches full of Liverpool players or I'm playing a Bowen that maybe comes on as a sub or I take the risk on it. So I might bring it forward. He's looked really good again tonight from what I saw. They have a double game week this week as well. So it would add a doubler to my squad. So, and he's 6.1. It feels like they've made such a mistake with the pricing on him, but in hindsight, yeah, I think maybe they're just so used to Spurs signing duds that now they've yeah. signed someone good, we should probably all jump in and make the most of it. Although uh, Sod's Law states that the time we bring him in, uh, young Kulosevsky, the Swede, is the time when uh, uh, Conte decides, oh, Lucas Mora, he could be good for his dribbling ability and speed. And I, I suspect he's probably got the, got the space at the moment. Elsewhere in the market forces, it's the usual suspects who are being sold, those who don't have a double or those whose starts are in jeopardy. Injury-wise, Ruben Diaz, who's out for a little while, uh, Madison and Ronaldo are second, for, fourth and fifth, respectively, in the market's forces in terms of sales. 156,000 transfers out for Ruben Diaz. I did not think that he was so highly owned, but he's still got uh, 21% own him, which is, which is, it seems like an awful lot. And also Diogo Jota is finally being moved on. I expect people looking at Saka, looking at Coutinho and thinking, yeah, right, it's probably time to just make that happen. That Liverpool front line, they've got so many competition for places now. Diaz has looked, I think, better than anyone expected. People thought he was a talent, but he's looked so good. And Mane showing that he can play through the middle now as well. Firmino coming back from injury. It's, yeah, I can see, can see why Jota is, is, is on that list as well. 
Yeah, as I said, I think I think we'll probably see Kulisevsky become really, really big on this as this as the game week goes past. But yeah, it's mid-game week. Things could probably change. All it will take is one big injury to somebody in the template on yeah. Thursday, and it could all change again. Right, we'll take a quick break there and we'll move on to the main topic, which is on double game weeks. Is it a massive trap just off of this? Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to talk about the main topic, which is why do we always fall into the double game week trap? So I think this one came about because you know, obviously Harry and I were WhatsApping on Saturday and I said she didn't know, you know, I'd sold Cancelo and I did, don't own Rafinha and uh, I'm, I'm bricking it this weekend. And you said, yeah, you know, I've got no choice defender. And that made me think uh, about how we generally perceive the double game weeks a little bit. I guess this seems as good a week as any, especially as we're in the midst of a nascent double game week season to talk about where we are on doubles, how we've done in the past, mostly qualitatively, unfortunately. I don't have data for everyone's outcomes over double game weeks and what we could have done, et cetera, et cetera, because that's simply just not feasible for me to do in the course of one afternoon. Um, but I mean, Harry, overall, kind of in the past, how do you rate your success when it comes to the sort of most celebrated times in FPL double game weeks? I would say I tend to do pretty well when it comes to double game weeks. This is not one of them. I've made all the wrong decisions this week, but generally I tend to do pretty well when it comes to double. But that might be because in my head, I look back and I think, oh, when did I score the most points? It was in a double game week. I probably forget the times that I've bought in a player for a double that hasn't done anything and you know maybe kept a, and sold a single game week player. I erase those from my memory maybe more than I do those times that have gone really well. It is that sort of upside of it. This season, there's been so many highs and lows. And I know I've seen tweets where people are talking about this season has been most polarizing for these sort of 50-50 decisions more than any other season that we've had. The likes of Dennis versus King, although King didn't do that well, the captaincy on Dennis when he got his red card, but then Bruno Fernandes, if you went on that double game week, you did really well. But then you had the Burnley double where it didn't go well. And now you've got the Chelsea double where it did go well. But as equally this week, people have gone for the likes of Rafinha like me. People have gone on the likes of Brozier. It feels even more difficult to call this week than it has been or this season than it has been before. Yeah, I guess in the past it's been almost, you know, 50-50 almost. Like I I I guess it's a lot of context. I mean, you mentioned a few things there which we'll, we'll definitely discuss later. And I I'm the same as you. Like I genuinely remember the big calls which failed more than the ones which succeeded. Uh, you know, those harsh 50-50s, those you know, poor captain calls, those bad bench choices, all those things stick in my craw uh, more often than not and uh, make me kind of think about double game weeks, I guess, in a bit of a negative light more and more the further we go into it. And the last couple of game weeks, double game weeks, as you mentioned, have been mixed to say the least. Are there any themes of these double game weeks disasters? Uh, it's probably the next question, which we naturally come on to. Like For me, I suppose it's um, those minis, I think, that seem to be the one that mess up people. What would you say to that? I think it's. I'd probably agree. It's when we go on double game week players at the expense of an asset that we really like. So example, like going on Veghorst, for example, when like Kane with a single game week was a perfectly good option. Or this week, like I've stayed clear of getting Kane and Son for single game week for, to go and get a double game week. And I've got Jimenez and Watkins in my team. And Rafinha, when I could have bought Kane or Son, which is probably better for my team long term. It's when you get clubs which and FPL assets, which are normally not reliable in a double game week, is when it seems to cause the most 
upset because we just see the two fixtures and think we know what they're capable of doing if things went as rosily as we'd want them to. But <laughs> it just never seems to be that. It never seems to come out that way. No, it definitely doesn't. I, I agree. I think there's many double game weeks are the ones where there's scope to kind of fall off. Like we all get FOMO'd into bad choices, I think, at least in hindsight. And I feel like it's less magnified when it's the big old double game weeks of old. You know, in the classic sense, we've all followed the Credinator or the Lindenator from Planet FPL. We followed their advice. We've grabbed the key men over time and we've got you know a good bench perhaps. And you know, maybe regardless of strategy, you know, you've either got a really good triple captain or a really good team optimized for 11, or you've got a great bench boost. But you're right. It's those spontaneously scheduled little ones due to a quirk in the schedule in the past, something like inclement weather or something like that. More often than not these days, of course, due to COVID playing havoc. That seems to cause the most FOMO and spur those sort of inop- inopportune sort of movements. I mean, FOMO is probably worth mentioning here a little bit and just talking about. So FOMO, fear of missing out, obviously has a huge impact in FPL, especially for those active on social media. Uh, you'll see you know, articles, tweet threads, podcasts, talking about certain players and teams. You'll observe prices rising in the market. And then you begin to wonder how much of it will put in your rank you know, look at effective ownership and that will probably be the trigger to act. The things, of course, the herd mentality and there's twin impulse of greed and fear. You no know, greed, you want those points for yourself. Fear, you don't want other people getting those points. And, you know, in behavioral science and psychological literature, there's loads of examples of this and how it's looked at. The most recent ones, actually, last year, Gutter and Sharma looked at the origin and development of fear of missing out on FOMO. And they call it a global phenomenon. And point out it's only really taken off in the last 20 years or so with the advent of social media they hypothesize that it's largely a byproduct of how the human brain hasn't been able to keep up with the rapid advanced technology basically social news sites have increased social interaction online and the interplay between human perception and technology's advancement is basically it's more people feeling fomo than ever before think about it like the increased pool of people that you're exposed to online increases those feelings before FPL Twitter, to take it back to FPL, I never really felt a FOMO beyond feeling like I should just cover off player X in my mini league because a few other people have got them, people above me have got them, or people below me have got this guy and I need to kind of you know, cover it and just defend. But if the pool became wider than just my friends in the mini league, exposed to the fire hose of FPL Twitter. You see hundreds and hundreds of FPL tweets with people buying, pushing, praising the same players and teams. And that feeling of FOMO is exacerbated hugely. FPL Raptor, also known to his nana as Ross Dowsett, wrote a great book in the summer called The Mind Game. Um, he was on our preseason special speaking about table science and FPL, and we're definitely doing that again next preseason. It's by far my favourite pod ever. And for new listeners, I work for a behavioral science practice for a few years, so I kind of know what I'm talking about. Uh, but Ross obviously takes it to, to the next level because of his academic bona fides. But in Ross's book, he mentions that 70% of adults feel FOMO and notes with a lovely term of phrase that social media can be a dangerous catalyst to all of this. And he advises a few things to kind of help you out with this. Um, if you're prone to it by doing his questionnaire in his book, I definitely am. Um, he advises a few things, but the person's this discussion, avoiding capacity bandwagons and being more mindful that you can't own anyone is really uh, key uh, to what's been going on recently. I mean, how much do you feel FOMO and FPL, Harry? I mean, you didn't bring a Chelsea defender in this week, so you are resistant to some extent. 
I think what happened to the, me this week, I tend to be pretty up there and I tend to get brought in to these types of situations more times than not. I generally was very busy last week, especially later in the week when those Chelsea bandwagons, especially on James, started to rise up. I didn't really see that much of it on Twitter. And then I did a stream on Friday evening before the, or on Saturday morning before the deadline. And there was a bit of chat about it, but there wasn't, there wasn't loads. So I don't think I saw the level of it. And I've also going into this week, tried to make a conscious effort of remembering the double game weeks of past where I've gone for these doubling assets and maybe it's not gone as well as I'd want. As a Chelsea fan, I think a lot of time people think I should have triple Chelsea and they expect to see a lot of Chelsea assets in my team. It tends to come the other way where I'm actually resistant to them and I fear the worst in these sorts of situations. So bringing James in, I'm worried about his minutes and then not wanting to have to concern that with a Chelsea result as well. Just put me off enough and I know what Cancelo is capable of doing. I had so much value tied up in him and I know I'd want him for the run-in in the season that it was just too many things that I'd be throwing out of my way that I knew I wanted to do in my thinking to go and get James captaincy and now I would be I don't want to go into how many points up I would have been if I'd have taken that <laughs> minus four, but I generally get brought into it. And this is one week that I didn't because um, I had a focus on the transfer. I needed to sell Fernandez, and I'm glad I did that, but I just didn't want to take the extra hit. And I thought I'll shield rank for the next couple of weeks, shield rank. Let's not take too many hits. And of course that hasn't, hasn't paid off very well. It's always tough, isn't it? Like, there's a huge impact of social media, that's for sure. And obviously listening, reading. Yeah. And the, the huge example for me was obviously that, that bringing the Chelsea player this week. I wish I could say, again, it was bringing in James, but I did say Rudiger. And I, I did say on the FPL show that I wouldn't sell Cancelo. I knew what he was capable of doing, as you said. Like, you know, I said, well, probably Rudiger's ceiling is 12 points, two clean sheets. What's to say that Cancelo won't get that against United? And I meant it when I said it. I really did. <laughs> but then a few beers of colleagues later on the Friday, some FPL mad scrolling on the train home. And suddenly I was there confirming Rudiger at quarter past 11 on Friday night. And I, I always find it hard, coming back to what you said a second ago, to resist FOMO, primarily because of EO. Like, I just hate that I know about EO now. I wish I didn't know it existed, to be honest, because it drives so much of my bloody behavior I mean, Matthew Jones when he was on the pod uh, during the winter said a bit about covering your weakest links um, and that, that's kind of stuck with me a bit like, I tend to be able to visualize more acutely the downside of not acting than the up uh, than the upside of not acting if that makes sense like obviously you, you were hoping that by not acting you'd be able to shield rank keep yourself going uh, but for me I just I, I wouldn't I, I could only see disaster uh, through missing out on, on a few of these sort of players these sorts of kind of picks you know yeah past couple of weeks I've done it before in recent weeks where I've done it the other way around and I've gone you know what I'm going to make this transfer and it's just not gone well for me I think with a lot of the Burnley the Watford doubles I thought this week I'm selling an asset like Cancelo. I'm not even selling an asset like for Dennis and, and, and co that maybe weren't good assets anyway, because none of the forwards this season are good assets apart from Harry Kane. But I thought, why am I selling Cancelo this week when he's playing a United team who it sounded like was going to be without Cavani and without Ronaldo. And it just didn't make sense in my head. And yeah, I, I understand why I made the decision. I wasn't on Twitter nearly enough to see the hype that was around that. If I knew that the level that Chelsea defence was going to get to this week, maybe it would have affected my decision, but I just don't think I was completely aware of it. It was a shock at quite how high the ownership was going into this week. 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, you said you remembered uh, double game weeks of, of, of the past, and there have been a few recent disasters, haven't there? Valt Weghorst scoring six points or three doubles, and also Emmanuel Dennis and that, uh, well, uh, now legendary meme of, of you with, uh, with uh, your hat, double, double face palming yourself. Um, and I guess what's really interesting about this is the explanation in Ross's book about the sense of kind of being like, oh, did I really fall for this again? And that can be attributed to a lack of self-determination in these matters. Like, I obviously knew even about the benefit of hindsight, that these weren't the best players to be looking at. They weren't the best players to be captaining. Like you mentioned, Harry Kane, for example, was a good captain. When Vekos, uh, we, we all captained him. But yeah, I couldn't help but feel because of EO, I had to cover them. There's some bad luck as well with the two, like Dennis obviously getting sent off. Uh, Vekos uh, hit the bar and had a goal disallowed due to an offside in the build-up, something like that. So it, 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 you know, sliding doors, harsh 50-50s. But there's a lot of historical examples as well that weigh into people's psyches. So you've got Sadio Mane uh, going off injured in that double game when I was in Australia. Um, I think he got one point times three then. Leroy Sane, oh my days. that was I think I captained him that week, but he got randomly naughty stepped by Pep for a really good looking double game week. Did absolutely nothing. Uh, Negredo for older players, he was the forefather of you know, the, the Veghorst and Dennis disasters. I don't think I actually captained him on the double game week when he blanked in both games when Millsborough had a nice double game week. and But yeah, I think he's remembered because he then went on to score the next week. I remember um, everyone being very upset about that. Another example was Andy Carroll way back when. I think that was the first year the triple captainship was allowed. They had two final home games at the Berlin ground. And everyone was like, you know what? They're going to see it off with a bang. They're going to absolutely destroy the teams they're playing against. I think they lost one and drew one. So yeah, I think, I think these sort of feed into what you were saying, Harry, about how you dwell on these sort of bad memories and they're top of mind, aren't they? Yeah, and to be honest, I was surprised that Veghorst didn't put a goal in against Chelsea because a blank, a blank when we all captained him before knocking out that Chelsea clean sheet would have again added himself into FPL folklore over the years. But I remember these ones and they were great options at the time. Negredo potentially not with the amount of goals that Middlesbrough was scoring, but Sane and Mane, this is the thing. It's it's trying to distinguish between what is a actually a good option and what is a fantasy good option that looks like it because of the potential fixtures and what the potential upside is but in theory we need to be able to draw the line between Dennis Negredo and Veghorst and maybe Mane and what Sane Leroy Sane could have achieved in their games because I think those two were good options and if I had the time again I'd probably do the same thing but if I had the chance with Dennis Negredo and Veghorst again maybe I'd think a bit differently. I think you're probably right, but equally, I think there was probably nothing that would have stopped you doing that. And what happens is that you've got a few different kind of examples. You've got ones where you've gone with the EO and it's gone badly. And you've also got ones which are more about when you didn't go with the EO and that has hurt you even more. So, for example, selling Salah before a hat trick or not captaining player X when everyone else did. For example, you know, I didn't captain uh, Bowen that week this year. I captained Antonio. Um, and last year, I've done, I did a few things like that, which I guess led to this year's captaincy objective. But I still think, you know, maybe we do have a bit of a selective memory when it comes to the good. Because at the end of the day, a really interesting facet of the human mind um, linked to evolution psychology is that if you imagine caveman you, it's actually better to remember the things which give you bad feelings and bad memories as they, in primal times, helps keep you, keep you alive, basically. 
in some ways it's your own sort of internal dashboard light flicking on to say you've been hurt before don't do this don't do this thing you know, don't eat that poison ivy and i think it's that sort of transposed on something which is a bit less essential in fpl and there's also my favorite behavioral science heuristic involved which is availability heuristic that's the phenomenon where you remember salient more easily retrievable memories first and foremost when thinking on the subject and they're often the ones that influence your behavior like more often than not especially for me personally my memories when it comes to fpl when i've been really thinking about it in the content creation sort of uh, capacity have been bad ones i can't help but feel oh wow yeah i need to stop this from happening again that's why fomo and action uh, can really kind of take root i guess but there are loads of examples even recently or in the past of really good things happening obviously salah triple captain recently uh, bruno fernandez harry mentioned earlier those that late goal uh, against bryson really really helping the bowen uh extravaganza uh, way back then and in times past as well uh, Stones and Diaz combining for well over 40 points for owners uh, Dimitri Payet in that same week that Andy Carroll blanked he got two late assists so 33 points I, I actually triple captain that guy that week so that was a, I was fairly successful that week and Alexis Sanchez in the big double game week that most people remember so well, you did mention it before Harry as well but I mean, do you think there's any capacity for you perhaps being selective of your memory? Like, do you think that you do, as I mentioned earlier, home in on these bad memories and those may influence you a little bit? I think I more actually go and focus on the good memories than the bad ones. And that's why I get sucked into these traps more times than I should, because I think, oh, remember that one time that Salah in a double game week or Stones in a double game week did this or Bowen did this and I think it's comparable for what Dennis is going to be able to do but I, I think it's very easy in hindsight to sit here and say yeah we shouldn't have done Dennis we shouldn't have done Beghorst but if you put all of these options on paper for example like Stones here Diaz here even Bowen with a 42 pointer with, with being your captain these things are not predictable. These are still as unpredictable as Dennis blanking or Veghorst blanking in those situations. You know, Stone scoring twice in a double game week is still as unpredictable as Dennis getting sent off. So it is great to sit here in hindsight, but I do find it quite difficult to understand how I'm going to predict these going forward. And I feel like I'll just continue to make the same mistakes because they're easy, as easily unpredictable as they are predictable. Yeah, I mean, perhaps it's the case that although I've characterized these emotions as negative, and for me, they're there to kind of keep me safe and make sure it's not a bad thing for you via your perspective, you're also, you're kind of ultimately going there and thinking, oh, yeah, well, these are a good thing for me. They're going to keep me alive or they're going to, you know, do good things for me. And knowing they've been a good thing for you in the past instinctively you're thinking yeah i'm going to swing into them because the chances are that things can be good like as you just said you know hindsight is all well and good like hindsight can have 2020 vision but it can also be very fickle and you mix that with things like availability heuristic or whatever and um, like the calls you we all make as fpl managers past a certain point you know not make not making obvious mistakes like not owning certain players and stay, being too far away from the template uh, often the calls you make aren't actually that bad are they really you're not trying to blow up your team purposefully it's just that for whatever reason things haven't gone your way as you said and i guess in some way it's about experience helping you or you know, try, your experience is trying to help you make your decisions, make good decisions. And um, whether you view it through a negative prism like I do, or a positive one like you do, I, I think that that probably is the best way of looking at it. Because it's not as if 
it is a trap it's probably more that there's a lot of kind of complex emotions that swirl around whenever you've got like a a points potential extravaganza sat in front of you and you kind of think oh i need to make the most of this and it's just the way in which you do it and the outcome um, of the way you do it um, that can mean that you act or react one way or another let's think about quickly our plans for the upcoming season i mean uh listeners will know i've only got bench boost left because i've used basically everything now i mean harry where are you sat and are you going to keep folding into um the temptation of going mad for these doubles as we go forward uh yes quite possibly so i still have three chips left so i still have wild card my second free hit and my bench boost so still quite a lot to play and I'm not going to be playing them until probably game week 33 or so when those doubles start again. So I'm probably going to play three chips in the last six game weeks. So hopefully you've got me on at the right time for a bit of exciting um, up and down roller coaster game weeks to come. Over the next couple of weeks, after such a dreadful game week, you tend to sort of question your judgment a little bit. And I found myself asking a few people on Twitter, like, look at my team. Am I missing something here? Or did I just have a bad week? And I iron up a minus 12 going into this week and maybe that's me trying to put back things that <laughs> I've done wrong and yeah. try and put things right. It's probably the first minus 12 I've taken in about the past two and a half years of playing this game. So I'm looking at trying to bring in a few extra doublers this week to try and maybe claw back a bit of ground. Spurs look really good. So I'm Kane is definitely coming in for me. I've got plenty of money in the bank. So Dennis up to Harry Kane is a... A transfer that I will make with a massive smile on my face, I think, before Kane, of course, goes off and goes off after 10 minutes in the next double game week. But Dennis up to Kane feels great. And then I mine up some of the next three transfers being Bowen out for Kulisevsky, one we spoke about earlier. If there's any doubt that Bowen's going to be out for 30, I think I'll make that move. Then I'm also looking at Cancelo to Robertson. Now, I didn't sell Cancelo last week and it didn't go well. I should have bought Reese James, but... Could I go to Robertson this week? Again, from 31, they have a nice run of fixtures um, starting that week. And then the other one is, do I trust Wolves' defence enough or can I go to Lloris of Spurs? Again, they kept a clean sheet tonight. They have a double this week and then they have a single game week at home to West Ham in game week 30. But that would be a minus 12 for all of them, which feels like a bit of a push given that I've just had such a dreadful week to go and take a minus 12. But I think I'll end up doing at least two of them. That's tough. That's, it's tough, isn't it? Because you're always looking at kind of, am I overreacting to a full week or am I just taking a, cor- a corrective course in what I'm doing? And to me, listening to what you're doing, they all sound very logical. Like you're not shooting for the moon by bringing in a player and captaining him. You know, you're not buying someone absolutely random like Richarlison and going, yeah, I'm going to captain him to try to make up those lost points. It's all about corrective action i think that's probably the right thing to do and being able to delineate that between between that and kind of just making a kind of crazy call to try to make up grounds really what's really important there so you're not making you're not going mad when it comes to double game week you're just trying to do the right thing for your team going forward which is probably an important difference just to highlight yeah i'm bringing in four double game week players for four single game week players so adding four fixtures three of them that i'm bringing in play in game week 30 as well so I'm again planning long term I'm selling players that I don't particularly want in my squad like Wolves defence now who knows what's happened to them over the past few weeks since that Arsenal result where they got beaten in the last minute they've not been the same team since Um, seems to have knocked their confidence Jimenez if he's going to come back into the lineup he seems to be staying in my team 
um, for the next few because they do have leads at home in game week 30. If there's ever a yeah. game, I, if there's ever a couple of games for him there's to get something, it's Everton and Leeds in the next two. So he'll stay. But again, Bowen potentially being injured. It's I'm not charging in on players like, I don't know, like Dennis, like Kilman that I've got in my team at the moment. I feel like there's a little bit of judgment going into them. That certainly makes sense. I mean, I've got the bench boost left, so I probably, I'm probably going to be maximised double game weeks to some extent. I mean, I, I, I was looking potentially at an Everton striker this week. I'll talk about that later on. Probably not going to do that now. But yeah, I'm going to try to not be too overawed by them, as discussed a, a little bit. It's a bit frustrating for me personally to have not been able to use my bench boost over the last few weeks because I wildcarded back in 24. Maybe a strategic oversight on my part, but the fixtures haven't fallen as I'd like them to. And they, they weren't known to me back in 24. And I've had a couple of benches, for example, when I triple captain Salah or this week, which looked vaguely boostable, uh, but I didn't do it. And I'm glad I didn't do it because I've had injuries elsewhere and it's not quite worse. Obviously, there's the argument that you'll never get the perfect game week. And I'd love to be able to get that out of the way, use it and focus on optimizing my 11, but it's simply not worked that way. So I'll have to ad lib it a bit and see where I go. But as you know, Harry, I hate ad-libbing. I just prefer to read off the script like I'm doing right now. Anyway, um, <laughs> just to close off this section, uh, why do we always fall into the double game week trap? I mean, you've mentioned a couple of times um, about this, but just to kind of summarize your thoughts, is it even a trap or is it just prudent to be aiming to maximize double game weeks? I think from um, your prior experience and the way you look at it in terms of kind of the behavioral psychological side, it's about just kind of having that, latent knowledge that in the past you've done very well through optimizing your team for these doubles so why not go ahead and do so and it sounds like this week it's not quite happened because you've done the opposite yeah i think we i mean we tend to fall in traps because i see my name in lights with a bringing in a two double game week players and then both scoring twice in both games and thinking this is exactly why we do it and i often hear people say oh i'm trying to make it fun and I'm trying to make the game fun for me generally doing well in the game and scoring points makes the game fun but occasionally bringing in a few extra double game week players going into the week does make it a bit more fun than maybe just having your single game week player it is just the upside trying to chase it trying to get as high trying to get as many of those highs as we potentially can for the likes of Dennis for the likes of Course. yes they haven't paid off but we all knew what the possibility was going into those weeks as well Definitely something to be said for just that fun of those doubles, that's for sure. I mean, just seeing my name up in lights. I mean, Ryan Fraser this week, after pushing him on last week's pod, pushing him on the FPL show, like him scoring, getting that assist. I thought that was a, that was a great moment for sure. I mean, that's a, a chasing the dragon. That's probably, I don't gamble. I probably, it's probably a good thing I don't gamble because like that was a that, that was the kind of moment that I live for in FPL when I see on us on my Slack, you know, like Chris going, Fraser. And I'm like, yeah, like having that kind of raw visceral emotion and when it comes to a player doing a goal to me it's, 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 it's quite sad but it's definitely yeah. something that kind of pushes me you know but if Rafinha had scored that you know or, oh. not say tap in but if he'd have scored that from two yards out I'd be having a completely different conversation being sat here I'd say I love doubles by all the double gaming players Rafinha's a great option captain him so it's fine margins with these things but I'm, yeah I was on the wrong side of it this week but we know what the upside of it feels like 
Yeah, and I think bearing in mind that optimism in general is a good idea. I, mean, I think it is prudent in summary to keep plugging away, especially from an EO perspective in these double game weeks. I think that's the brass tax and massive sadly. I know a lot of people hate effective ownership. I don't like effective ownership either, but it's just like death and taxes when it comes to FPL. Cover, be smart, pick your moments, usual stuff, be an adaptive manager, a dynamic manager, as Ross, our hero of the session, FPL Raptor would say. And if you are ever brave enough to stand against FOMO, try and second guess yourself too much, I don't think. Because, I mean, Harry, you did that this week. You stood against FOMO a little bit. But bear in mind that sometimes it can fall off. But, you know, the, the wider plan is what's important. In one game week, it's high variance. Things can absolutely change on a sixpence. And uh, I think that, you know, Overall, it's not really a trap. I think that's probably a, an unfair mis- a characterization that I've just put in to kind of give the question this week. Um, but really, it's just about being sure that you're, you're doing the right thing. And it is prudent for your FPL team most of the time. I was sort of taking massive hits, although Harry's are quite good this week. <laughs> or going for a mad captain uh, just to swing into them and make the most of them. Because the upside is so much better than having not ads at all. Right, let's take a break there and move on to the questions just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? All right, we're back and it's time to go through listeners' questions this week. Uh, just to mention very, very quickly, Anthony's not here anymore, so he can't complain. Um, but the correspondence is going to be killed off. Yes, finally it's happened. Take a knife to it. Just pull it straight into its heart. Sorry. Um, but yeah, um, I think in general, it was Anthony's section. And I think that from next year, um, I think it'd be good for Lucy to have an opportunity when she comes in to have a section to make her own. Um, I think that's probably worth doing. Um, and uh, obviously the question has been great. Thank you very much for everybody who did uh, write in uh, to the email and have those sort of longer form answers. Uh, but I think kind of next year, we're going to have something which is a little bit longer at the start of this section. I'm not sure what it will be yet. Lucy's still thinking about it, but I think that's probably worth doing. Uh, obviously, I've loved doing the correspondence in all seriousness. It's been really good just to hear kind of people's long form sort of questions and ideas and things like that. But I think it's just worth kind of passing it over, passing the torch as it were. Um, but um, yeah, I, w- I won't forget it. I promise. Yeah, that is dead. Oh, God, it's so good. Anyway, <laughs> a couple of other things to mention before we get into the questions this week. Um, quick mention of the meetups. So the London meetup is next Saturday uh, via FPL Meets or NEMA. I think it's in St. Uh, Christopher's Inn again, isn't it, Harry? Something Always. Like that. Yeah, yeah, St. Christopher's Inn in London Bridge. Uh, if you want to come along to that, um, FPL Meets or NEMA, FPL, um, do get in touch with him. It's a great event. It's well worth going to. We do it every month pretty much. Um, watch the games, have fun, drink some beer. Um, friends of the pod, Adam Pritchard and James Carroll also going on this week. Uh, so if you want to see the people behind the the, the uh, constant uh, mentions uh, do pop in unfortunately harry can't make it but i think he'll probably try to make it in april if we do one or may or it'll be along for one that's for sure yeah i tend to tend to do my best but sadly i'm double booked um for this weekend but i'm sure it'll be great again it's always always a good laugh whether i come out with a meme being created of me or not which seems to have happened for both of the last two times that i've turned up Every single time, but I don't know what it is. I think you're, you've got a very expressive face and very expressive body language. Maybe it's something to do with that. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe. you end up being sat in very inopportune places. Um, another thing, so I'm in Bristol on the 18th of March, uh, King Street Brewhouse. I know it's the blank get <laughs> the blank game, which is not probably the best week to be doing this sort of thing. Uh, we're definitely watching uh, me, Tom Campbell, and a few others. We're watching the Arsenal versus Villa game and just staying around, just drinking beer and 
potentially getting drunk and getting some ill-advised food choices after that uh, definitely come along if you can king street brew house i think we'll probably get there about midday uh settling for arsenal versus aston villa a lot riding on it for a lot of people that should be really good fun and the final thing to mention is north versus south game week 39 in birmingham if you want to go there for whatever reason uh, it's pioneered by benny blanco at benny blank benny underscore blanco forwards on twitter i always say that benny just change your bloody at to be Benny Blanco why the underscore why uh, GW39 North VS South UK all one word if you want to go along to that all of the proceeds from that match which are um, I think it's about I think it, I, I say it's 11 versus 11 but it's an 11, 11 side match uh, with people from the FPL community all playing on both sides uh, all the proceeds from, from that will go to Charity Street Child um, how are you going to go along to that I can't make that one yeah, I'm actually representing Team Team South, so I'll definitely be there. Um, it will be an easy win for us, I expect. But yeah, it'll still be a good charity event, though. You're playing with Sidgen James, though. I think mean, Sidgen probably on for about two minutes. Kick it into the corner flag and be off. I think James would be, do a good job as an akalele role. I can imagine them do pretty well there. It should um, be a lot of fun. Hmm. Finally see what some of these FPL community members are like when they actually get put on the football pitch. How is Heisenberg on the north side? That's what I understand. Well, I think he's, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think he's had to pull out. He's one of their star players, but I feel like he's on holiday now, whether that's just a ruse mm. to get us into a bit of false bit of security. But yeah, I think it should be good, but I'm not sure Heis is, Wes is making it anymore. I don't, I don't I don't rate their chances then at all. Anyway, no. uh, let's move on to the main questions this week. Uh, we've got three, um, but we're going to go into a few bits and pieces. I'm really sorry, but I don't keep it up for very long. I know uh, that sounds really, really dodgy. I should not be apologising to you for that. I should be apologising to my other <laughs> half. But yeah, you know what I mean. I don't keep the question thread up for very long. It's just because I've got other things to do during the day and I've got to do the guide, send it off. and et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, um, the first load are navigational errors. So FBL Oakwell and Andy Martin, who's doing really well this season, ask similar sorts of questions. Oakwell says he's avoided James because he had no game week 30 players and now feels a sting. Sorry, because James had no game week 30 and now feels the sting of avoiding him he asked simply am I an idiot and Andy Marston says he fancied the likes of James Shah Havertz Sonny and Shah both scored this game week for the first time ever I think <laughs> anyway uh, but he says he, he uh, ignored them to get blank game week 30 uh, friendly assets he asked simply if I overplanned. I mean, Harry, I mean, you've done very similar by the sounds of it not falling into kind of just buying players for this week have they ever planned? What's your feeling now? I have done exactly the same as both of these things. I've ignored players that maybe I wanted to buy because they didn't either have a double like Kane and Son until getting them this week, or they didn't have a game in game week 30, like not buying James this week. I think I've probably overplanned a little bit, but I still think that it was the right decision for me to save my chips. And I'll only be able to decide if it's the right thing when it comes to game week 38, because if I get to game week 38 and I'm with a rank that I'm happy with, then my chip strategy has worked. It, yes, I've taken hits. Ta- yes, I've taken hits to my rank over the past couple of weeks, but I've saved my chips for much later in the season. So I think I've taken hits this week, but I'm hoping that it pays off longer down the line. I don't know what, what you think about it, but I think I'm OK with how I've done. It's just I've been on the wrong side of a little bit of variance or quite a lot of variance. Absolutely. There's that argument that the points you lose now will be made up in the future. Like you always need to think about it, that you've always got that kind of 
in the moment feeling but the reality is that later on you're going to make hay where others are suffering a little bit and a good example of that is game week 30 so Oakwell I don't think you're an idiot Andy I'm not sure you've overplanned in the same way that Harry hasn't I mean at the moment on paper it looks like you've had a bad week and that's absolutely fine well it's not fine I know you could, you'll feel a bit upset about it but it is what it is yeah. you, you knew that that was a, a possibility an acute possibility going into it obviously it's very team dependent as per everything and as per the first section there's method in the madness as Harry was mm-hmm. saying it's not about over planning so much as doing the right thing for you yeah maybe maybe there is an element of me over planning because I've got to the point where I'm potentially going to roll my transfer going into game week 30 so maybe I've ignored one too many opportunities over the past couple of weeks thinking I need to plan for game week 30 I need to plan for game week 30 that I'm almost over prepared for that game week now that maybe I should have thought okay this one is good enough that I take that chance on it and I can pick it up later down the line because I've been planning for this for a long time that I'm now with a front line of Jimenez and Watkins and Dennis that maybe I've just taken one step too far in that planning but hindsight you know what's funny like I remember when the free hit first came out obviously we've had two this year so it's a little bit different but when the first when the free hit came out we all understandably identified it as being a great way of circumventing exactly this that we wouldn't be just making transfers or avoiding making transfers because that free hit would bail us out on blanks. And I think it's the fact that we've all kind of sat down and gone, you know what? I can play a free hit aggressively actually, rather than negatively exacerbated, of course, by this year being so different. I think the utility of the free hit has definitely morphed a lot from how we initially thought about it. And I think that that's definitely also a big impact on what's done. Like, I've had two this year, so I screwed one away frivolously in game week 19 because I knew that I had Sarah, uh, my other half's family round, and I couldn't be sat there until five minutes before the deadline making sure that my players were all going to play and there was no last-minute games uh, being called off. But overall, because the use of the free hit has changed a little bit in the eyes of how it can be used as utility, I think that that's really interesting. And I think that that's probably had an impact on what people have been doing. I think, you know, and we'll come on to a question about this just next. Uh, for me, for this week, it was about identifying a minimum possible of numbers, a, misple, a minimum possible number of players I wanted to have going into game week 30 and seeing what moves I could possibly do. So I brought in Fraser, brought in Breuer. Neither of them actually playing game week 30. So I was kind of just doing the opposite, perhaps, of what you said, and just kind of going, you know what, I want these players this week. I'm fortunate enough, though, because I wildcard in 24, to have seven players in game week 30. So it was easy enough just to plow on, thinking, you know what, I can get to nine, uh, Bowen and Dean injuries and illness aside. But if you're not there yet and don't have a free hit, no. It was high logical, Kirk, uh, to just pop through and just make sure that you sorted yourself out for game week 30 in the available time you had left. Yeah, I suppose the question then arises is how many players would you be comfortable going into game week 30 with now? Because this week, I think a lot of people are looking at Tottenham and Arsenal. um, And we'll talk about them in a minute. But those are the two teams that double this week and then play again next week is how far away are you under planning versus at maybe the point where I am, which is, which is over planning, I suppose is eight. I feel like that number's thrown around a lot. Is eight a good enough given the fixtures that we've got? 
Yeah. So Jeff Pedder, Karim Tazir, and Connor Murphy ask this, that question essentially: How many players do you need for game week thirty? If you're not free hitting, obviously. Uh, Connor says he's got nine. He asks, will that be harmful for my rank with that with those people in the same boat? So one more than what you just said. Uh, Karam says he's likely to have seven. Should he just free hit them? And uh, Jeff asks. Who are the main players as well? So Kane, Saka, Coutinho and Vardy are the ones he mentions. I do think, you know, seven, eight, nine is probably fine. I mean, looking at those four fixtures, I'm not sure I'd be bricking myself too hard about not covering off everything and not getting... Uh, I think you can kind of defend that week because you'll know that in game week 31, oh, hey, I've got a great team then. Game week 30 can be about treading water. And I think in answer to Jeff's question about the key players that you should be getting in that week or covering that week, the key is going to be one of Son or Kane, probably going to be Kane, let's be fair. I think he'll probably have the highest DO, but it could be Son actually, given how the teams are set up at the moment. Like you said, you've got three decent forwards who are all playing that week. So maybe it might be Son, probably double Arsenal. You know, Ramsdale in goal, Saka, maybe a Wolves defender for that Friday night. You're going to have Rafinha. Maybe people have Rafinha then, some Coutinho. Is anyone's guess on Bowen's fitness at the moment? And free hitters would like to have Leicester players. So what are they going to be? I don't know. Vardy, hmm. Barnes, Madison's got a lower back injury. That to me says probably that's a bit worrying. But none of these players other than Kane or Son are going to have high EO. Feel like a red flag to me no i agree i think if you're having low players again it is quite team dependent because if you've got nine but some of them are not exactly covering the high owned players then maybe you're in a worse position than someone who's got eight or seven that is covering some of these players i agree kane slash slon slash kulisevsky i think all of those one if not two of those three is probably a good idea going into that week Coutinho again will be very highly owned especially after his performance this week Saka Ramsdale but if you've got that core maybe five then adding on top of that I I think is is far from essential Leicester an interesting one because I can't see them being that highly owned going into game week 30 I can only see them being brought in ahead of that game week or being brought in on a free hit and with that in mind I can't see the likes of Vardy, Barnes going above maybe 50-60% combined. And given there's such a low pool of players, that's not as high as they could be given that they do play they play Brentford at home. So I would eight, nine, I'm going to have 11 and I'm looking at my team and I don't think I'm any better off than someone who maybe has attacked these two game weeks just gone because I've got players like double Wolves defence in there, which I don't want, and a fair yeah. few others. So yeah, I'm not that sold on it. How, how does your team line up? You've got... I think I've got I've, I've got seven at the moment. I could probably take up take myself up to nine. I think I think that'll probably be all right. I'm happy with yeah. that. I've Ramsdale in goal, uh, Dean and Kilman at the back, Martinelli, Saka, Bowen if he is fit, and then whoever I replace Fraser with, and then I have Kane up top at the moment. I think I can I can mess it around to have a couple more. I'm sure I'll probably have Kulisevsky at this point. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think I'll probably have nine. I'll probably be okay with that. I mean, if, if you're Karam though, and you're on seven, I feel like that's getting close to the free hit threshold. Depends on the players, of course, and who you're covering. But I, I and I also feel like, you know, he said, you know, should I just free hit them? I mean, I, I mentioned earlier about the change in utility of the free hit. I feel like that's going to be such a defensive free hit 
the main positives are going to come from appearance, aren't they? And just hoping for that kind of single game week variance to really take off. I mean, what would you say somebody who's got seven players, like depending on who they're covering, of course, like mm-hmm. is it is it even worth a free hit then, or should you hold it for later on in the, in the season when maybe you've got, you know two or three players who are doubling you don't own them you don't necessarily want to own them for long but you've got a good indication that likes you know madison maybe veghorst these sort of players you don't really want a doubling you don't own them you don't really want to buy them in i mean is that a better use of it than this i think i probably would say so i think having four now and adding three to go to seven that's probably two free transfers and only a minus four because I think, again, triple Arsenal, if you're in that situation, making sure you've got your three Arsenal and maybe at least two Spurs, because they double this week, does make it easier to maybe take an extra step a week early. We're not having to, you know, go into game week 30 and suddenly think I need to make three transfers that week. We have two teams that we know are performing well at the moment that we can go and buy a week early. So if you've got the key covered, like an Arsenal defender, Saka, Son or Kane, maybe a Wolves defender, in amongst that seven, then I think you're absolutely fine. I would probably save it. I think you'll do better off maybe targeting later in the season. Who do you, and who do you think the key men are going to be that game week then? So you say, you know, Leicester, they're not going to be that highly owned. Is it Kane and Son, as I said, and kind of just a, a, a level of players around that? You mentioned the Wolves defence too. Yeah, I think the ones you'd want to own if you were only going in with seven and wanted to maybe protect yourself a little bit, it's an Arsenal defender. It's probably Coutinho in the middle. It's probably Saka as well. One of Son or Kane and then Wolves defence. But I don't, I think that'll be highly owned, but I don't see it doing particularly well. I can easily see Leeds scoring in that game week. But I think the Leicester guys are a good route if you want to go a bit different. And maybe if you want to add an eighth or a ninth on top of that, I really like Harvey Barnes potentially potentially as a pick as well. The problem is with Barnes, I'm I'm looking at buying Barnes, but the problem is is that he makes Leicester unwatchable because nine out of ten times what he'll do, headless chicken, run down the blind alley, do absolutely nothing. One out of ten times, elite, great finish. He'll lay it off and it'll be a good goal. But yeah. nine, nine out of 10 times, absolutely useless. And it's so frustrating watching him. Um, but I, I, I know that he's a good FPL asset. When it comes to the numbers, it's just to the eye test. He's a very, very frustrating player to watch. And speaking of frustration, let's move on to the forwards in fantasy football. So FPL Rocky asks, who are our striker picks currently other than Kane? Well, it's a proper poo show at the moment this year the top scoring forward is 112 and that is still incredibly Mikhail Antonio followed by Dennis on 111 and Kane on 110 I suspect Kane's going to win that particular joust pretty easily uh, Kane over to Ronaldo uh, tonight uh, Kane, uh, Ronaldo was third with 100 points just to underline how badly the strikers have fallen off last year Kane was on 182 points by this point <laughs> so 72 points more uh, than he's on at the moment followed by Bamford on 148 so that's 37 points more than the current second and Calvert-Lewin was 126 so that's again 
15 points more, 16 points more than the player in third. Two years ago, Vardy was 152, Aubameyang was on 145, Ings on 30, and three years ago, uh, Conegrero 153, Aubameyang 149, and Kane 144. Just dreadful, absolutely dreadful stuff. I mean, it's, it's definitely poor, isn't it, Harry? It's, it's not really a position that any of us are particularly infused by. I mean, how do you feel about your current front line? I don't really like any of them um which is why Kane's probably going to come in this week the other two that I'll be left with are Jimenez and Watkins which are only there because they play in game week 30 and then after that I'm quite happy to look to move them off I agree the forwards this year are dreadful I think a lot of us are looking at one or two forwards up front so Kane plus one or Kane on his own the others that I like I still think Brozier Broya is not a bad option along with Che Adams cheap enough options and then really, I just need to play the fixtures with the other one. I put a wildcard draft together for game week 31, which is when I'm planning on playing it. And I can't believe it had Veghorst back in my front line, but just due to the number of fixtures that Burnley are going to have to make up. The other team with a lot of fixtures to make up is Leicester, but trying to pick one of their three forwards to play when they've got double game weeks is seemingly almost impossible now that Daka, Iheanacho and Vardy are all back fit, which is why I've opted for Veghorst because although... Burnley of looking pretty poor going forward and I've been burnt by him once he's going to play both in the double so at least I'll get four instead of the two that I could get with another one so it's just trying to find a budget option that maybe you can be used for a double game week that's really what I'm looking at and then I don't play them the rest of the time what about you I mean it's, it's, it's ridiculous now I've got, I've got Kane Breuer and at the moment I'm sat with Josh King um, which has obviously been an absolute disaster. Didn't play, didn't didn't show up this week. He might show up against Wolves. Who knows? I'm I'm actually hoping, actively hoping Luca Dean plays. Unlike you, we're hoping he doesn't play. And um, but I mean, looking at season tickets, for example, the Hubs one. What's noteworthy is that the orders, as you'd expect, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, and United are the top six. And of those, City don't have a striker. Liverpool don't have a striker of interest. Havertz seems to be Chelsea's main striker at the moment. Lukaku's obviously off the uh, completely off the radar. Spurs, Kane, absolutely. Arsenal, I'm interested in Lacazette, potentially, but there's better midfield options we'll speak about in just a minute. And United, am I interested in Ronaldo at that price? Absolutely not. Of those, you're interested in Kane, so that knocks out a lot of it. Then you go down. Leicester, Vardy's in with a shout. But as you said, there's rotation sort of fears with Daka and Ikanacho both fit. Given his age as well, the league position and continued Europe, Europe involvement in the Mickey Mouse conference. Can you be sure of him starting? Probably not. Keep going down. Antonio at West Ham, really? Probably not. Harry, you're in Watkins at Villa. Um, yeah. And then you, suddenly when you come, you can get Southampton and you kind of think, well, they've got a decent run, decent run in as well. Right, Breuer, 5.5. Perfect. I'll take a bit of that. It, it's basically, you know, we said, a, we said a few weeks ago that there's only one in five FPL players that are really of interest to FPL managers. And among four is honestly so appalling, mirroring what you said, that I'd be tempted to have Kane and Breuer if I was wildcarding and maybe even just have Gelhart at Leeds and pump my money into defence midfield, honestly. I mean, it's just fixture-based punts, isn't it? Like, red course, as you, as you noted, that kind of make it worthwhile at all. Like, I simply don't care about strikers. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if next year they all get price downgrades, apart from Kane, perhaps. And that kind of third striker slot becomes a 
like by necessity because there's better options elsewhere or they do what happened with ASM and move a few players into being strikers when they're not really just to kind of give that kind of yeah. position more levity. Yeah. I, I just, again, to echo what we've, we've done is there's just, it's so hard to pick through. Again, it'd be interesting to see what they do next year. If we see a lot of price cuts for a lot of these assets, I suppose the issue I have is being on, bench boost still later in the season is it's difficult for me to pick the likes of Geldhart, um because I don't expect him to get minutes but then am I just choosing between Veghorst's four points and Geldhart's one point in a double game week coming off the bench am I just better off doing that and investing the money elsewhere and am I, am I locking myself into those three playing forwards just for the sake of one week where they'll likely blank given the form they've shown in recent weeks that's why I'm looking at kind of just going, you know, what Kane, uh, Breuer, and maybe just kind of sat with like Huang or something for a little while, just because the guy is going to be playing in game week 30. I mean, he's an option. Gelhart obviously has a game in game week 30 as well. I mean, it really is plumbing the depths, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of plumbing the depths, <laughs> double game week 29 chat, we're going to talk about that in just a second. The question we got to lead us into it probably. Nick wouldn't have asked this before tonight's game. Uh, so Blue Knicks FPL Nick says that Everton, the only team who dubbed in 29 without a, a red fixture, they've got Wolves and Newcastle both at home. <laughs> what do we think of the Toffees? So the answer was very different be- before tonight. And yeah. I think I think maybe I've, I've not really actually watched Everton for a little while, which is probably symptomatic of what my initial answer was, which was that I had the potential gap in my team with King, lots of money floating around because I moved up Buendia for um, for Fraser and also moved up Edouard for Breuer. So what I could have done is I could have brought in Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin for this double on the one-week pump because they're both at home and Everton are better at home. But it's purely Fitch's base. I mean, DCL, quality player. We all know that from last season. Richarlison could be great on the break and he's on penalties. But there's nothing in the stats. I mean, only four goals scored since Lampard's been in charge in the last six weeks. And they've had the second, the joint second, fewer shots in the box, them and Norwich. Harry, uh, what team have had the fewer shots in the box in the last six weeks? Wolves. Chelsea. They've only had 10. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I think um, five of them came against Burnley at the weekend. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So it just shows what, what happens about a striker. But a lot of that yeah. obviously is because you guys have missed games. So it's a bit of a false stat. <laughs> but um, I mean, it, obviously it's just one week. So you, if you are on a free hit or you are on, you know, you've, you've got two free chances, you've got one to you got, got one to essentially piss away, then maybe you might look at Richardson or DCL and think, yeah, all right, it's worth it. If you got 10 players in 30 and you want to take a punt that's probably worth it but like you can't look at Everton at all basically Nick um, Anthony Gordon or Mason Holgate uh, stretch because they're 4.5 and 4.2 respectively but no definitely not I don't think with Everton I think that yeah, it's, it's, I know Lampard's a Chelsea legend um, but as, as I saw someone say um, this week, I think that that result is probably the worst result since the North Shropshire Bry election for Frank Lampard, isn't it? Not quite understanding the reference, but I'll leave that. I'll leave that to you. But the I Tories lost. Oh, I've got it right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, I can't go near them. Actually, before this, I wondered if if you wanted to take a punt on them, you'd look defensively 
uh, because it is a good defensive double of Wolves and Newcastle. But again, seeing them concede five again tonight, I think they're getting sucked into that relegation battle very, very quickly if they're not already deep, deep in it. And again, although they've got a double this week, it seems like one of those cases where we would be ignoring decent single game week options in the sake of a hopeful double game week punt from a team that is far off form. So given what we've said before, I think that this would be a week where maybe we look away from, from Everton, although we'll come back and be the week that we should have all bought them when Calvert-Lewin finally gets something. But given what we've spoken <laughs> about, I think moving away from Everton this week is probably the best way to go. So generally, I think uh, looking at this double game we ahead, Harry, in 29, um, obviously this kind of slightly meshes into the transfers and captains. There's probably a few questions which are floating around out there, which I'm just going to kind of just ask your thoughts on. The first one is probably the second or third Arsenal player. So I'm guessing most people, as we mentioned earlier, are probably going to have a defender, you know, Ramsdale or you know, maybe Ben White, Tierney. Yeah. Most people can have Saka. I mean, you've got Odegaard. Um, as your midfielder but you were saying earlier off camera that you weren't sure about that and you maybe have gone for Martinelli I mean is that definitely where you go do you think I think one defender is absolutely fine because I think the double this week is not good enough from a defensive point of view and then the fixture next week again against Aston Villa a team you probably expect to score but have leaked chances in recent weeks so I am looking at the double up from an attack generally I've got Saka, I think everyone, I think he's the number one pick. He's still a good price. He's still cheaper than Lacazette. He's still in line with some of those others. I think he's the one to go with. It's then who you add within. Now, I think Lacazette is an interesting one. He's slightly more expensive, but a lot of us have money to blow going into the double game week. Looking in midfield, I really like Odegaard as a footballer. I think he's so talented and I think he's got a massive career ahead of him. I don't think he's necessarily had the praises until recent weeks for how good he's been for Arsenal so far this season. But if you do watch him, and I think being an Odegaard owner for the past 10 game weeks, I have watched him and you can see how he blanks so many times. He is picking passes, he's linking the play, but he's rarely taking shots in the box. He's rarely getting involved with the point where he's actually going to start scoring goals. And although Martinelli's a slightly more rotation risk, he's got that explosive potential that Odegaard doesn't have. Odegaard might get you five, he might get you eight, three, but he's not going to get you what Martinelli is capable of getting you. And I think with the double and that, and then you maybe look to ship them on, I'd probably go there. But have you thought about Lacazette? No, I, I, I think just I, I probably subscribe to what Adam Pritchard always says about Lacazette, which I'm not. I mean, I obviously got two assists this week, but he's a defensive forward, and that's the system that seems to be best working for us. Best playmaker in the Premier League. Yeah, also, also the second best uh, defensive forward in the Premier League behind uh, Joe Linton. Wait a minute, no, Joe Linton's a midfielder these days. Um, but I, I think that I probably agree with you on. I think Martinelli and um, Odegaard probably a bit of a toss up actually, because Ar- Ma- uh, Odegaard gives you the X mins. That's the important bit there. He's basically yeah. kind of. A more withdrawn Ozil in a lot of ways, um, but he does provide that creative edge. The problem is, is that a lot of that is pre-assist at the moment rather than pure assists. Uh, but the great thing about Odegaard is, if we do win marginally, he's likely to be in with a shout, a very strong shout of getting bonus just because of how involved he is. I think he was. I think he had one this week, didn't he? he? Got one, and he's had it before where there's been three or four goals scored, and he's had an assist or 
a goal. I think it was when one of the many games where Smith Rowe came off the bench and scored, he got an assist for that Smith Rowe goal. And he ended up with two of the bonus points despite Arsenal scoring four goals just because of how involved he is. So again, yeah. he takes along very nicely, but it's just that explosive nature. I suppose we don't know how long Smith Rowe's out for when we're expecting him back. Because if he's he got, is got, out, is- then... He's got COVID at the moment. I think he might be back soon. I, I think that um, there's a good article okay. in the, the Athletic by Art de Roche, which kind of pointed out how important Martinelli is to our attack in terms of like mm. being Aubameyang accepts a bit, a bit better in some ways um, and providing a really important attacking outlet because you've got Lacazette, who's basically a defensive forward, and then you need players to kind of... Um, Swoop in in the half spaces, Adam Pritchard would say, and Marcelli does do that. Um, yeah. But Odegaard's, I think, if at the start of the season next season, he would be a great pick for a ghost team. Be a great pick if he wants the players just to tick over. And he's a great player in terms of what Oatsville used to do, which again we all really enjoyed. Which was that if he got an assist, they're looking at one bonus at least, and that's really really useful. I think. Um, the other side, North London, though, Harry. Um, of Spurs. I mean, a lot of people are going to be looking at them. A middle of the level game week is yeah. not great. It's United away. Actually, that might be all right. And Sp- and Bryson away, who have obviously melted away in terms of defensive uh, abilities in recent weeks. Um, I think that Kulisevsky is going to be so in the meta, in the template this week. I'm afraid uh, that Matt Doherty is again going to be of interest to loads of people. Um, and I know that there's a few people already planning to buy that guy. Uh, what do you think about Spurs? Two, you're going for three, aren't you? Um, what do you think is going to be acceptable there? How excited are you about double game week? I think I can imagine Conte uh, doing okay at United, especially if uh, they kind of invite them onto them. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be tested on my Doherty pronunciation so early into my... Oh, you know what? You know what? (laughs) The man's a prodigy. Yeah, I didn't think it would come so close to the beginning, but I do like him as a pick. I understand actually how important this Manchester United versus Tottenham game is now. That I think Tottenham go above them and it's leapfrogged them in the league that if they win that. So both managers will really want something from that game. So there's a bit more added sort of nuance to it outside of the FPL space i think we understand how good kane and son are as assets and it's often which fits your team structure if i had to pick one i'd probably go with kane given the form he's in in recent weeks but if you can't get kane and you can only get son i think it it works equally but kulisevsky at 6.1 doherty in at four and a half or something down in those prices so yeah it's they seem like really nice options but it's not great from a defensive point of view for the double i am looking at bringing in a third but it would only be loris it's the only real way you've got space in I think it's the attack that I'm really looking at but I just worry that Lucas Moura will come come trotting back when we don't want him to but I, are you getting Kulisowski do you worry about Lucas Moura I, I don't know how much did Conte rotate at Chelsea in terms of those positions like going forward how much rotation was there I think that's probably the key question there wasn't loads it was Willian and Pedro with Hazard Diego Costa and I think remember I think we seem to remember that Pedro played a lot of minutes when he was getting slightly older and we expected him to be rotated that he found a team that he likes he found a team that would win games and he'd often stick with it and that mentality is what's pushing me towards Kulisevsky because he's played the same team for the past I think three games now and picked up good results in those so I wonder if he's finding that team that he's liking 
and finding the form that he's liking and he's going to just keep picking those players. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it, we always worry about rotation on planet FPL, not the podcast, but just the general world. And I think that, that maybe he has hit on a team that he's going to... There's no way that Kulisevsky's going to be dropped after this game, that's for sure. Maybe he'll drop a stinker against United or whatever, but I suspect he's he's got the shirt now. I think it's probably not that worrying. Uh, elsewhere, you've got Brighton, we just mentioned Everson and rubbish them. Um, I, I don't think there's any other double game weekers out there, are there? Apart from kind of extreme variants, you know, like Adam Webster nodding in <laughs> a goal or something like that. Uh, maybe Newcastle wise. I mean, it's not the best double either away against you and away against uh, Everton. Maybe that'd be an easier game. I'm not sure there's that many players you want to be picking up there because Newcastle. Uh, Arsenal and Spurs both have that 30. Mm-hmm. It looks like that's the one to target, really. Yeah, I agree. There's only things if people are stuck with these assets. Like if you've got a Trossard, you've got a Lamptey, you've got a Webster that you maybe had from previous double game weeks. I'd probably play them. I don't think there's enough of those cheaper single game week players that you would have. I wouldn't pick them over the likes of Cancelo. I would start those high profile single game week players. But if you've got them and you're thinking, do I play maybe a Ramsey for example or do I play Trossard I'd favour the double game weaker there but I definitely wouldn't be looking to buy them and I think the chance of Newcastle doing yeah. well across both games I'd probably again just hold what you've got for those teams and focus on the north side of London Cool alright uh, we've been circling it a little bit so transfers and captains wise uh, I've uh, just to go first got eight doublers at the moment um, I don't think I'm going to be able to bench boost unfortunately I've got a lot of fun with flags on my bench I've got fostering King who's flags Dean who's flags and Bowen who's flags all them on my bench uh, but my main team I've got Ramsdale in goal he's got double uh, Rudiger against Newcastle which I'm happy to hold obviously uh, Trent and Robertson have got double uh, I've got Kilman playing at the moment but I suspect he's going to go off and someone's going to replace him uh, whether it's King for a striker I think Everton striker is very unlikely now I think it's likely to be perhaps Bowen but obviously news needs to come with mid-game week at the moment lots of news is about to break I'm sure over next week in midfield I've got Martinelli I've got Fraser who's now flagged but how said he'll be all right Salah obviously the captain and Saka and up front I've got Breuer and I've got Kane for that double and I think that probably it's looking like Bowen to Kulosevsky is probably going to be the one that I do. I think a lot of people are looking at that. Uh, it's not particularly helpful in terms of game week 30, um, but nonetheless, I think it might be the way that I go because this week, what I was looking at doing initially was taking out King for a double game week pump. I'm not sure that there's any players I want to be doing that for at the mm. moment. So I think it might have to be Bowen to Kulosevsky. I think that's probably what I'm looking at right now. I think I, I might do it later. I might want more want more uh, information. I'm not entirely sure because obviously Thursday there's all those games and maybe something else could go wrong, <laughs> which could kind of change it. Um, but I'm happy to take a minus four and in a, in a very in a very very unlikely scenario that all of my players playing on Thursday get an injury, then maybe I'll reassess. But at the moment I've got quite a deep squad. And I think I should probably be all right. Uh, what about you? I mean, you've mentioned a few times you're looking at that minus 12, just going for it, taking it, um, and also kind of perhaps fixing a few things. You said you were taking out Saar, who you've got a golden moment for Larice, Cancelo getting his marching orders despite playing Palace 
next. So the Palace are City's bogey team uh, for Robertson, which kind of makes sense as well. Can double up and Bowen to Kulisevsky and Dennis to Kane for that minus 12 plus four games. Yeah, this looks very nice on paper, but whether I go through all of it, I'm not quite sure. The Dennis to Kane move is almost locked in. I think there's potential price changes on Kane tonight as well. So it could even happen after this, um, depending on how much news, because they don't play again. So you'd expect that they come through this fairly easily. Saar, the issue is they're playing away at an Everton side who we've seen struggle in recent weeks, but sometimes you just get a feeling that a game's going to go one way and I've called it wrong in the past couple of weeks. I didn't have Southampton on my free hit. Maybe I'm calling it wrong, but I can see Everton scoring in that game. Minus 12 is not something I tend to really go to and selling Cancelo for part of it. Again, it's not something I love, but Robertson's looked good in, in recent weeks. So I am leaving Jimenez on the bench with Dean and Kilman. Not three assets I particularly want to play. So if Bones out, I think he'll definitely go for Kulisevsky. Captain on Salah, I think, is quite straightforward. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not not overthinking that one. Although Kane no. is is tempting. No, you can't, you can't do it. Right. No. I, I think that's it, isn't it, Harry? I think that's everything we've been through. Perfect. Thank you all very much for listening. I hope my first podcast was up to your very high Who Got This Is standards. Um, we'll be back again every week. Um, we were who got this is thank you all for listening yep thanks back next Monday I think again uh, do some mid game week stuff and Thursday not being viable so it'll be another one we'll update you how we did this week at the, ultimately and kind of give you a kind of a midweek sort of update on how we're going tell, tell you how it all unfolded uh, but I hope to see you in the meantime and I'll speak to you very very soon goodbye bye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.